Worried you'll need to babysit your robot vacuum? Think again. Meet Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum with AI-powered navigation to recognize and avoid over 100 objects. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards. And Digital Trends says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com. And discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. You're watching Leafs Morning Tape with host Nick Alberga and former NHLer Jay Rosehill. The show starts now. All right, what's good, you absolute pigeons? It's the Wednesday edition of Leafs Morning Take. Nick Alberga and Jay Rosehill, I guess, is live on location. You at the Ritz Carlton today or what? Live on location, downtown Calgary, Alberta. I'm just chasing leads down for this show. The, the hustle never stops. I live and breathe this thing, baby. It's like you're on the buses again. On the bus, riding the bus. You used to ride the jet once in a while, but lots of buses too. How how different was that, by the way? Like you go from like, again, I've heard stories about the HL and granted it's still the American Hockey League, but you go from that to like the National League. How different was that? It's different. It's different. It's different. <laughs> Um, there's nothing wrong with the American league. It's, it's the next best thing. But when you're in the show, man, like you leave the rink after practice, you get on a bus, you cruise right up to like a different wing of the airport. You don't even know you're at the airport. You're like, where are we? And then there's this little terminal all by itself. And there's just like two nice people there going, Hey guys. And you just wheel in with your bags, walk right onto the tarmac, right up the stairs, right onto the jet, all the emergency exit rows are gone and it's filled with tables of food and you're just picking food as you're getting on. You go sit in your chair, which is like a full on first class recline flat laying thing. There's little Maple Leaf logos in the headrests. The, the flight attendants know what you like to drink and have and whatever before and after a game. So it's sitting there waiting for you. And then, you know, the nicest restaurant in the city has catered food onto you when you get wheels up it's ridiculous man and then you get off onto another bus and they wheel right up to the actual ritz carlton it's it's the show baby that's why they call it that pretty much why they call it the national league that is the life of lavish what was your go-to drink after a game uh, a little rum and coke <laughs> the girls just like keep bringing them keep bringing them <laughs> well funny story when uh when ron wilson got fired randy carlisle came on and we were flying back from, I can't remember where, somewhere on the East Coast. It wasn't that far away. And Carlisle comes to the back of the plane, which coaches never do. And he goes into the back and starts talking to the, the flight attendants and stuff. And we're like, whatever, that's kind of weird. Next practice, we get bag skated. And as we're stretching around center ice, he comes up and he pulls out of his tracksuit a piece of paper, starts unfolding. It, and then he starts listing off 36 beers. Seven bottles of red wine, two bottles of white wine, three quarters of a bottle of Captain Morgan. He starts listing off all the booze. He's like, this is what you guys drank on an hour and a half flight home. <laughs> <laughs> so we're like, oh, God. And he's like, booze is off the plane until you guys start playing the way you're supposed to be playing. So we're like, okay, Randy. And then the next <laughs> the next plane ride that we have, everyone's ball everyone's bag over their shoulders like cling cling clang cling clang it's like we can bring our own shit randy we're not scared but uh that was always uh what i laughed about his entry into the maple leafs 
kingdom. That's one way to ignite a, a, a group of professional athletes is no more alcohol, no more crown royal. And you're like, oh my goodness, my life's over. Shit. Yeah. Crown. That was, if we had a real good winning streak going and if I had a good game and I was feeling real good, Ooh, a little crown on the rocks would, would be the ticket would be the ticket. I'd had to scrape by. Otherwise I didn't feel like I deserved it. Yeah, no, I like that. Sounds tremendous. And certainly more coming on crown Royal as the week goes on our generous guy. We're going to do that every Friday, our generous guy. And I won't lie. There's a couple generous people in my life right now that could get the award on, on Friday. I'm pumped up for it, Rosie. Yeah. You got some ideas going already. Got some ideas, got some ideas, including the defenseman in the beer league hockey back on Sunday who gifted me my, uh, I think, third goal of the uh, the early season here. So there's a lot of contenders. I should mention our friends over at Botano. Thank you for sponsoring this show. We are presented by Botano. It is the Wednesday edition of Leafs Morning Take. Nick Alberga and Jay Rosell at the Leafs Nation 401. If you're watching here on YouTube right now, at the Leafs Nation 401, of course, is where you could subscribe. Hammer that like button. Leave us a comment and a review. Tell, tell Rosie you looks beautiful today. I don't care what you do. If you're uh, listening in podcast form, just search Leafs Morning Take. We'll pop up. Again, do the same old thing for us. Again, at the Leafs Nation 401. Got a pretty special guest coming up today. Jeremy Roenick, U.S. Hockey Hall of Famer, nine-time NHL All-Star. Has his own podcast as well right now. He's coming up in about 20 here, Rosie. Legend. He's a human walking legend is what he is. And uh, that'll be fun to pick his brain a little bit, see if he pays attention to the Maple Leafs or not. I imagine he must be a little bit dialed if he's got his pod. I'm sure he's... Sure, he's got his ear to the ground. You know who he's doing this podcast with? Do you remember Timmy Peel? Yeah, ref. Yeah, Snipes and Stripes. That's his co-host, Tim Peel. Wasn't he just a Leaf hater? Everyone called him. That's that's the guy. That's the dude. How is you know? Remember how his career ended, right? The hot mic. Yeah, and what was he saying? I can't remember exactly. I don't know. I think he like we got to find that. I don't want to speculate, but like that's. Yeah, Tim Beal, man. He he's a voice out there. And him and him and Ronick are wheeling around with their own podcast now. Well, I'm sure he's a beauty if he's uh doing one of these with JR. So I'll have to tune into that and check it out. You talked about a bag skate. Uh, I don't know if you caught this yesterday, and I want you to break down momentarily this Noah Gregor Connor Murphy fight, but a lot was being made uh, in the NHL world about Lindy Ruff electing to bag skate the New Jersey Devils yesterday. It was all over social media. It just made me chuckle because this happened on a daily basis and you live this um, in your era where bag skates were routine, win or loss. Um, is there a certain coach you remember that was like the king of the bag skate, Rosie? Tim Hunter used to bag the wheels off of me, man. When I was a scratch, he'd, uh, <laughs> I remember him going one time I was a scratch. So we're, we're, we're doing like wallies, like back and forth boards yeah. to boards there and back is one. And he's like, I'll do them with you, Rosie. So we go there back one, there back, there back two. climb all the way up to 10. And I'm like toast. Right. And he did it with me for a while and then shut her down. Didn't say anything. And then he goes, and then I'm like leaning over my stick, like, my God, that's a, a tough workout. And he's like, well, keep going. I'm like, up, up to what? 10. He's like, yeah, back down. So then I had to go 10, nine. It took like an hour of bag skating. I was so toast. And then once I was done, he just stepped off the ice, didn't say boo. I'm sitting on the bench and I just start puking in under the water bottles. Eh? And I'm taking the water bottles and trying to like swish it all around saying sorry to the trainers and whatnot. That day I go and just crash on the couch. I'm completely gassed. Don't eat a thing. Must have crashed for like two hours. Wake up and my phone's blowing up like crazy. And they're like, you got to play tonight. And I'm like, my God, I had to go play that night. And I think I fought, I think I fought, um, I don't know, maybe it was Bolton or, uh, 
somebody yeah. like that. I don't know, but got in a fight after one of those. It was a grind. It was a grind as a as a bubble guy when you're in out of the lineup. They want to keep you in shape and you got to stay sharp. It's it was a tough gig trying to trying to balance it all. And there's more times than one that I get chucked into the game when I had gotten the shit bagged out of me that very day. So it wasn't ideal, but not like I was playing 30 minutes either. So it evens out. I say you face the music and we uh, have a reunion with Tim Hunter on this show. What do you think is I ran into him in a golf tournament uh, this summer and I was kind of looking at him like, fuck. He had no clue who you were, right? No, he did. He came up and he, I was ready to like snob him and be like, man, you weren't, I wish you were nicer to me. And then he came up, he was the nicest guy in the world and invited me to be a part of the Flames alumni. And I was like, damn, oh. you are, you are a good guy. So I was like, uh, all, all wounds are healed. I think I was just a little bit, a little bit ratsy that I had to get bagged so often. There you have it. Made amends with Tim Hunter, the uh, former assistant coach here in Toronto. From there, let's roll on to the third fight of the season. You were in here for yesterday's show physically, so I wanted you to break down the Noah Gregor scrap uh, from Monday night. There's three fights already? Yeah, man. It's only been three games. Love it. Little banging and crashing. Love that forecheck. Oh, weird. A D-man's turning his back to the aggressor. <laughs> you love that, that, eh? Before. Weird. You That's love so that. crazy. Fucking yeah. insane. And away they go, center ice. I love how the cameramen can never. I'm surprised on uh, network TV. They don't uh, just completely go to commercial when a scrap happens these days. Both spirited Chuck, and he's trying to get that right arm free. I like it. I don't like when you're holding on with your punching hand. Cock that thing. He's not hitting you with his hand that he's holding on to, so don't hold on. But then he cocked back, probably threw in two big ones. I noticed the crowd went, woo, every time he landed one, and then slipped a little bit there to end the scrap I, th- I don't think it was an intentional slip not a good alberta boy he wouldn't try to bail out of a scrap like that he was the aggressor couple headshots here oh slipped yeah i just lost his balance way she goes hey i love showing up i love getting it over with the best thing about it is as soon as you get in that scrap just go right back to business running there d-man for checking like crazy running around saying there's nothing you can do to stop me i love it Love the liney, by the way, using the stick to get the mid out of the way. I don't know if you caught that just uh, as a start. The scrap started there. See you right there. Boom, stick on. See you later. There's nothing worse than shedding your shit, especially in a brawl where there's stuff everywhere and you're jostling around and you're just waiting to step on something and go down hard. There's nothing worse than thinking you're going to grab an edge and something just slides right on on you, especially when you got your hands full. It's so NHL too. Like uh, all this came from a Noah Gregor hit on Nikita Zaitsev, former Toronto Maple Leaf. A, he turned the way all defensemen do, as you mentioned, and B, he sort of tripped. I don't think it was a cheap hit by any stretch, but it ignited. It got people going on that Hawks bench. Like Corey Perry's a Leafs killer. He got fired up, but I'm glad Noah Gregor gave Ryan Reeves a night off from fighting. I don't want to see Revo fight every game, but like Noah Gregor, we know what he brings to the table. That fourth line has been hemmed in quite a bit in the early going, but I think I, I love that aspect of the game, the speed pugnacity he plays with. So the third fight of the season for the Maple Leafs, undoubtedly probably more coming as they start off a five-game road trip tomorrow night in Sunrise against the Florida Panthers. Um, I should mention as well, brought to you by DoorDash, it's time for the appetizer. Thanks to DoorDash. You don't have to worry about cooking dinner or running to the store anymore, Rosie. Let all that come to you for a limited time. Our listeners and viewers can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code NATION25. That's NATION25. Please note uppercase for NATION25. And uh, please note that the offer is currently only valid in Canada, subject to change. Terms apply. Rosie, the big conversation in this market right now is this team can't play defense, which is the story every October, but they've surrendered 13 goals in the first three games of the season. 
Yeah, it's a few too many, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's their knock, and we've known it was their knock since the summertime. Um, you know, with getting Klingberg, guys like that, it's going to help the peeper. It's going to help the offense from the back end. It's going to help Morgan Riley out. But it wasn't solving the defensive question marks. That's for sure. He's not a defensive specialist, right? And I honestly believe that this will not be the final look of the defensive core this year. Not at all. I think tree living has got his ear to the ground. He wants that solid D man. Um, it's going to be tough to do. It's not easy to make deals in the NHL anymore in this salary cap era, as we've touched on, on this show, it's difficult. And you know, when fans get frustrated, they think it's easy. And they're like, go get a D man. It's like, there's not a bucket full of top four D man. You just go pick from, <laughs> You got to, you got to wait in the weeds. You got to wait for the timing. You got to, you know, get your ear to the ground, be making calls, put the bug out there that, Hey, this is what you're looking for. Everyone knows tree living's looking for a stud D man. And if it, uh, if it comes along where he can put a deal together, you guarantee he's going to be pulling the trigger. And I think that certainly by trade deadline, this decor will look a little bit different, but we need some defensive defensemen back there. We need some solid guys that you can lean on in the last minutes of a period. Uh, when the, when the, the pedal's down for the other team, you need someone to settle it down back there, be in position, get the puck, get control, not be scrambling around, not be chasing, no odd man rushes, get the puck up to the forwards and get out of your zone. We need a solid, solid D-man like that. And I promise you, Tree's looking for it. And through three games, it's apparent that that is true. We need that for sure. What's your read on Jake McCabe? Like, I, I'm trying to figure out what this guy truly is. And I, I know a lot was made of the deal last year and getting him from Chicago. And A, he's a top four defenseman. He plays this way, he plays that way. But he he has stunk up the joint early on. It's just three games. Defensively, He's he's been a, you know, a struggle and an eyesore out there. What's your read on him? Is he just a guy who is who's getting acclimated to a new NHL season, or do they have a big time issue on their hands if this guy can't play in the top four? Uh, I think time will tell still. It seems like he's playing a little bit more offensive than maybe he needs yeah. to. Um, he's he's pinching down there, he's getting up in the play, which I do not mind. But when you jump up, there needs to be a light on in your head saying, I'm up in the play. This is all good. I can do this. But my number one priority as soon as this play or this rush is over is get the hell back. You can't get beat back to your zone. You just can't. And when you already have, you know, defensemen that are not the most defensively sound that are suspect when you know that's your Achilles heel on your roster and you are jumping up, it's got to be even more important for you to get back. You got to cover your own zone. And I think he struggled with that a little bit. I'm sure they've been watching video. They've been showing him points where, Hey, this is a good opportunity where you could have pulled back a little bit. Here's where you pinched. And you know, if you look towards the middle, you didn't really have the support. They're going to be going over that. He knows that it's not like the people yelling at the TV at home are the only one conscious of this issue they're going through. And I think he's going to make adjustments and try to play a little bit more defensively sound because that back end needs him to, he's a guy that can, that can help facilitate that. And if he's going the opposite way with being too overly offensive, he's only going to hurt the team. And I think he knows that. So wait for adjustments to be made here. I wonder if uh, John Klingberg's just swearing off on him. I'm sure you've been watching a lot of Klingberg. Like wh why is he playing defense, dude? The guy's always in the other end. Like he, he, he loves, he absolutely loves offenses. John Klingberg. And that's fine. But again, you got, you can do that, but it can't be, it can't be at the downfall of your own zone. You can jump up yeah. till the cows come home, but you got to loop it back and be the first one back. You just, if you have that puck or your teammates have that puck and you're making a line rush and you're jumping into the play, 
that's fine and dandy, but that puck can't beat you back. You have to beat the puck back. And there's a couple of clips I saw chopped up on Twitter that were not a good look for Klingberg, where he's pinched up against the half wall and he's just kind of watching her go back into his zone. I mean, that has to be major, major sense of urgency to get the hell back when you're caught in deep. Uh, and especially if you do get called, you got to get on your absolute horse and come back because, you know, I think there was a goal there uh, last game where it wasn't the initial rush that scored. It was the, it was a secondary attempt in the rebound and Klingberg still isn't back, man. It's like, dude, I like the offense. It's nice. You can chip in, you can help those forwards out and whatnot. Not that they need a whole lot of help, but if you're jumping in again, you gotta get back, man. Yeah, it's been a big story with this team early on, but it's like people forget it's like Groundhog Day every October for this team, for this media, for this fan base, where it's like they lose one game to a shitty team. Like we've had this conversation a billion times and the sky's falling again. And people are like, oh, they got lucky to win their first two games. We're going into game three. It was like, my goodness, this team's unbelievable. They're going to win every game. It's just crazy to me how quickly the mindset can change over one loss to a a Chicago team who was resilient in that game. Arvid Soderbloom was really, really good. Their goaltender. You're going to have those off nights. It's a long season, but it's just amazing to me how quickly the narrative can change in this market. Oh yeah, we're we're the the mirror image of the Edmonton Oilers right now. That's, I mean, the sky they're happy was now. absolutely they're happy. falling. They had a big game last night, and now the parade's back on. Our parade was planned for the first couple nights and we drop one and oh my goodness, the holes in this team, we're never going to get done. It's the market of a passionate fan base, man. It is what it is. It's what makes it difficult to play in there. I remember going to the rink after a loss and it was just like you're walking on eggshells, man. The media is just sitting there waiting. They're looking at their cards and, oh, baby, we're going we're gonna to roast them here, licking their lips, going, oh, so many hot storylines. We're just going to tear this thing apart because they love it because the fans are watching going, what is their excuse for this game? And what's the coach going to say about this bullshit? And everyone's fired up and the media loves it. And there's nothing but media there. And they're all ready to take you down. And you feel that, man. And it sucks. And and it makes you insulate yourselves from it. It makes you push away. It makes you become distanced because there's enough going on mentally with uh 82 game NHL season with, you know, doing what it takes to get through that without all kinds of outside pressure and distraction, but playing in a big market, man, that's what you're going to get. It makes it more difficult. It makes it more noticeable when you're not on a tear. You think down in Florida, they go on a two, three game skid. Anyone's really noticing. No, you fix it before no. anyone even finds out Toronto. The place is on fire before you can even address the situation. And you know, that's what keeps some players out of Toronto. They don't want to come play here. They don't want to deal with that. You know, maybe that's a reason we lost Ryan O'Reilly. You, you don't, you don't know what's going on with them, but some guys just would rather go to the rink and flip flops and play golf afterwards. than deal with the shit storm that comes with not performing on the flip side. You go win a cup in, in Florida, that's all great, but you know, you're going to party with the cup and then leave, and that'll kind of be the end of it. Toronto, you'll be a goddamn hero for the rest of your life. It's a, it's just insanity to me, like the heat some of these guys are getting. Like Mitch Marner's goal is he's been fighting it a bit. Hasn't been the same Mitch Marner we've seen in the past. Like Matthews has been great. Nylander's been awesome. But like it, it to me, it's crazy. We're a week into this season and how much heat and uh, you know, is coming from back the other end, even though this team has won two or three games, getting set for a five-game road trip here. But again, you speak to it. It's the market. And at some point in time, we're going to have that killer instinct conversation in this season, right? And just, I don't know your read on the game. We got a bit of it in Rosie's rants yesterday, but just same old story, eh? Well, the first two games, I mean, I tweeted something about them showing character. And I mean, it's what they've 
I could say it's what they've been lacking in the past is they have a good team. They can get leads. And then, you know, it's character that keeps that lead. It's character that digs your heels in and, and preserves it. On the flip side, you're down a goal. You're down two goals. You know, the other team's in control, but you can take advantage of it when they take their foot off the gas a little bit and your character will come in where you can just double down and you just will your way to getting that that even up goal and getting yourself back in the game. You will your way to getting that game into overtimes to give yourself a chance to win. And they did that the first two games. And you can't forget that. It's an 82-game year. Not everyone's going to be this absolute machine that just rolls through 82 games and never has a hiccup. Like, let's be honest, guys. It's a hockey team. There's an NHL team on the other side of the rink there doing their best as well. It's not just a, a formality that your favorite team is just going to be without, you know, any weaknesses. And it's that 82 game season that you work on it with that group of players. And again, they showed that in the first two games, the character, it wasn't quite there against the Chicago Blackhawks. It is unfortunate because it's been a pattern with this franchise losing to those lower level teams. And if you do have killer instinct and you do have character and you do have leadership, you shouldn't be doing that all that often. And the Leafs have, made it a bit of a pattern i'm sorry to say sadly and uh well you know our guest today can tell you a thing or two about killer instinct he certainly had it in his career it's another than jeremy ronick of course from the uh snipes and stripes podcast uh, jr thanks so much for doing this killer instinct do you think it's a real thing in this league oh 100 i mean it's it it differentiates the the winners from the losers there is no question that the guys who are more successful have a bite and a different edge than than the guys that don't are or that aren't as successful um there's got to be a burning passion in your stomach uh, to to want to win to want to compete uh takes that burning passion to be able to get into the corners take hits make hits and do the things that it takes to win there's no question i've seen players that are as talented as 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 anybody but for some reason don't have that edge or don't have that that burn in their gut to to do the little things it does take to be successful and they don't make it when they should be stars. JR, what do you attribute the, the Toronto Maple Leafs? I mean, they've had solid teams in the past. You can pick them apart with goaltending or defense and whatnot, but what do you think it is about that specific franchise that just hasn't been able to get over the hump? Well, being one of those guys who put them into that that slump back in 2004 for a long time, I enjoyed <laughs> watching watching them um, stay in that slump for a long time. But I do I do have to say I am a I am a big fan of Toronto. I'm a big fan of the area, the, the fans of the team. I'm a big uh, Austin Matthews fan. Uh, so take away my my professional part of it that I was um, that I've been in for a long time uh, as a fan, as a guy looking out from the outside, the frustration for me is, is immense. I can't imagine what it's like in, in Toronto world. It's, uh, I know it's crazy. I have a lot of friends up there, so I hear it a lot and it just seems to be a pattern. Right. And I think it's a lot that comes with pressure of being in probably one of the biggest hockey markets. Um, the pressure can get to them. The media is on them 100%. It's, it's in their face 24 seven. And when they get in these games, it's, it's instead of having that killer instinct, I think the mentality comes in like, oh, no, what if we lose this again? What yeah. if this happens again? What if, what if, what if? And, and I don't know if it's a, if it's a generational thing, that the, it's the kids today and how they approach games, how they think, how they prepare, um, what they worry about, what they fear. Um, because you can't tell me that Austin Matthews doesn't want to win. You can't tell me that 
that John Tavares doesn't want to win. They do. Um, but it's it's what goes into their heads. What is in their heads before a game, uh, during a game? Is it is it positive? Is it negative? I can't get into their heads, but it seems to be a recurring problem. And when you don't prepare for games like you did didn't the other day against Chicago Blackhawks, and you lose two points that are very valuable, I know it's the beginning of the season, and that you can slough that under the rug. But you do that a, a few times and you lose to the teams that you should be beating relatively easy. I mean, obviously you do. Yes. I, I thought you made a great point earlier about there is an NHL team over there. There is another pro team over there. There are players that are very good that are working hard, but that's, that's a game that Toronto should win. No are question. Are you saying the generation today is soft, JR? <laughs> um, can, without question. Are you kidding me? <laughs> by leaps and bounds soft um they do have their t- there there are there are guys in the league that are that are tougher that are tough that are mentally tough that are physically tough that uh, are that we we say are you know 80s and 90s type players but 98 99% of them you yell at them they climb they climb underneath the table and hide rather than standing up on the table and pounding their chest and, and fighting back, unfortunately. But I think the net, I think the NHL has kind of, I mean, obviously society has created that, but the NHL has also created that with a lot of rule changes and a lot of mentality that they, they try to protect players. So um, some of it's their fault. Some of it's not. Worried you'll need to babysit your robot vacuum? Think again. Meet Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum with AI-powered navigation to recognize and avoid over 100 objects. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards. And Digital Trend says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com. And discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Bottom line, we're trying to figure out why the Leafs keep losing the shit teams. With all due respect to Chicago, I know Connor Bedard's on that team, but I wanted to ask you as somebody who rolled into this market, had some success obviously playing against the Maple Leafs in your career, is there a different feel when a player comes into then the Air Canada Centre, now Scotiabank Arena, when they play? They always get up for those games? 100%. There's no question. Playing playing in that arena, uh, that, that was my favorite place to play, Maple Leaf Gardens, going up to Toronto. Uh, going into Montreal Forum back in the day, you get up for those games. There is no question about it. The energy is different. You're playing in front of people that know exactly what they're watching. Uh, they all have opinions. They are huge hockey fans. You know that the media is going to be watching you. It's going to be on television. There's a different feel when you play in that building, which also is another uh, problem for Toronto. It's another hurdle that they have to deal with. There are no off nights. There's no off nights for Toronto. It's because they play for the Maple Leafs. And when you don't prepare mentally to play some of these teams that are going to come in and there's no pressure on them, like the Chicago Blackhawks just did, just ran them out of the building. Um, and to me, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how Toronto responds to that. Because if you don't if you don't get pissed off of losing that game and come back with, with vengeance and have a great game next, you got to wonder about their, their, their the size of their care. How big is their care? Um, because that becomes a becomes an issue. And I don't like to see that happen because it does happen. I mean, it almost happened against Montreal in game one. They battled back, which I, I thought was pretty gutsy. But they shouldn't have been in that situation in the first place. And again, they lost two points that they should have won against Chicago. 
And within that, do you think the leadership comes into play? I mean, you played for 20 years in this league. You've been the leader. You've also been the young guy looking up at players. Is that a big thing within the locker room that you attribute that character? Does it start from the the, the top of the, of the leadership group within that team? Well, I don't know how leaders deal with their teams nowadays anyway. I don't know whether they are vocal leaders, whether they're just um, – whether they just go out there and lead by example, uh, whether they're afraid of yelling and screaming and and, and uh, offending one of their teammates or calling one of their teammates out. I know back in the 90s, and I had Dirk Graham, I had Keith Kachuk, I had Chris Chelios. They had no problem standing up in the middle of the room and absolutely reaming you a, a new one uh, and screaming and calling you out in front of your teammates. And they didn't care what, you're, what you thought or your feelings. I think feelings are a big part of... of of players today. I think they don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. I think they don't want to alienate somebody. I think they feel bad for them. So I don't know what the leadership is like in, in that room. I don't know who the verbal uh, communicator is. If there's a loud communicator, if there's a, a logical soft communicator, I always, I always perform better when somebody yelled at me and somebody, somebody challenged me. Is somebody challenging them in the locker room? Um, do they just look for the person next to them to do it, uh, passing the buck? I don't know what that question is or that answer is. So you'd have to ask them in there. But I would think with a guy like Ryan Reeves on this team, a guy who um, who is a big, tough, strong guy who is very confident that can't stand up and, and be a vocal, a vocal, uh, I think, cheerleader in that locker room or some guy who's not afraid to call somebody out um, and make people accountable. They need that. And I think teams need that. And if you don't have that, who's going to make you accountable? Exactly. And and we we were saying this last spring too, that I I think accountability is such a big word for this team. And I'm happy they brought in some of these guys, but what's your read on this Maple Leafs roster? Do you like the look of it? What do you think they need to add? You think this team is capable of winning this season? hundred percent. I actually, I actually picked the Toronto to go to the Stanley cup at um, start of the season. Um, I believe that they added some grit. They added some tenacity. I love having a Max Domi there. I think Max could could have a very good season um, if his head is in the right place. Uh, I I love. I've always loved Bertuzzi. He's he's a has a good grind and he has a good aspect in front of the net. Can goal, score goals. And what I said about Ryan Reeves is important. No, he's not going to be big for you on as points go or as minutes go. But he's a he's he's a force physical force on the ice, which could make Matthews, Tavares, Max Domi play a bigger stature, um, a little bit more um, m- maybe risque factor, knowing that there's a guy like that policing watching them. Uh, like I said, in the locker room, I, I like what they've done, but it, can they get it done? I mean, I, I think they can, but when these I see the game against Chicago, I'm like, same old team. And that frustrates me. Yeah. Yeah, same here. You you touched on a little bit with Reeves there, JR. I've got a theory right now that I haven't had in a long time, and I feel like the league is starting to recognize and the powers that be are starting to recognize the different levels of a team and the lines and the importance of, say, a fourth line, an energy line, a checking line, a toughness line. They seem to have gone away from that in the last take your pick on how long do you do you see that coming back at all i mean fights are up i feel like hits are up maybe i'm just following the right accounts on instagram but i feel like they're starting to value that energy line a little bit more than they have in the past six or so years well just look at the teams that have won the stanley cup in the last five years what Mm -hmm. what what is what has been the common denominator of each one of those there's two there's good there's good goaltending and it's a great fourth line 
the fourth line for the Vegas Golden Knights last year was by far the best fourth line in the league and played like it. And they played, they contributed every single game, whether it was defensively or offensively or both. Um, it's a integral part of a team and should not be looked, looked down upon. Um, and some of these teams like Tampa right now, Tampa right now has no fourth line. And I believe Tampa's on the, on their way down. Uh, Vegas has the best fourth line. They're the champions right now. And if Toronto wants to win the Stanley cup, they're going to need a big fourth line and even a stronger third line to tell you the truth. You reference Austin Matthews off to an impeccable star once again. I thought he had his seventh the other night. They called it back. But where does he rank in terms of all-time ta- all uh, Americans to you? And, and what does he need to do to be the top of all time? He's going to be the, he's going to be the best goal, American goal scorer of all time. There is absolutely zero question about that. He will, he will pass Mike Medano in goals, um, in my opinion. Um, as, as an entire hockey player, Mm-hmm. It, he's he is definitely going to go in, in as one of the top three best players. I mean, Mike Medano to me is the is the creme de la creme. Um, Patrick Kane uh, is is going to going to be up there. Austin Matthews is going to go down as the best goal scorer in the history of America. There is not a question about it, in my opinion. Jr. We're getting kind of ahead of ourselves. First things first, we haven't touched on how's the golf game right now, and where are you playing at mostly? Very good. Very good. I played 36 mm. yesterday. Um, I shot 71 with a bogey and a double coming in 17, 18 shot 71. So I had it going. Game is strong. Nice. Game is good. And I live in San Diego, so I can play year round. It doesn't, doesn't usually fade too much. Living the yeah. life. Love that. Mm. Uh, I wanted to ask as well, you referenced it earlier on May 4th, 2004, 739 and OT, a goal just ripped my heart out. I'm 34. I remember it still vividly. Uh, what do you remember about that goal in that night, JR? Everything. Everything, everything, <laughs> absolutely everything, everything that I, I thought about, everything about in between periods. I actually tell the story that I actually sat in my in in my locker in between um, third period and overtime and literally went through my head different scenarios. And one of the scenarios I went through was a two on one and what I was going to do uh, against Eddie. And it just came to fruition exactly like I saw it in my head, which is why I preach to a lot of these kids visualization, right? And seeing things and seeing things before they happen. Um, it was my favorite goal I've ever scored. There's no question against one of my favorite rivals. Um, killing the hearts of Toronto Maple Leaf fans for me was always awesome. Even though I love Toronto Maple Leaf fans, it, we have that love, hate, respect, um, I think relationship that I, I valued for years and years and years and still value today. 20 years later, still feeling it. Lastly, tell us about Snipes and Stripes. Yeah, it's a great show. We just started it on nofilter.net. It's Wednesdays, uh, every Wednesday at 7 Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And just a a nice little twist that I put in is uh, my co-host is Tim Peel, the ex-NHL referee who has Mm -hmm. so much respect over his um, you know, his counterparts, uh, in the NHL, in the, in the referee world, but also, uh, in the player world, uh, he gives a great perspective of the game from, from the stripes aspect. And obviously a lot of goals on my aspect was the snipes, uh, snipes part of the, of the name. So it's snipes, snipes and stripes every Wednesday at four Pacific seven Eastern. And, um, it's actually fun because we bring a lot of the fans on the show with us so we can get their, uh, their take. And sometimes it leads to some pretty good content. That's awesome. Great to hear. Uh, Thank you so much for doing this and looking forward to checking that out. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, JR. All right, guys. See ya. Take care. It's the one and only JR, Jeremy Roenick. What an absolute legend, dude. I remember that goal in 2004 like it was yesterday. Just the shot 
the celebration. I'm like, fuck, they were that close and couldn't beat them. <laughs> that guy could tell stories for days. I'm sure 27 years, nothing, nothing, but I don't want to say drama, but the guy's got every story in the book. I imagine him and Peelzy getting together. I imagine it's just nonstop hilarity, deep stories. He seems like he's got a phenomenal memory. One of those guys that remembers every intricate detail about, about special moments in his career, which is just awesome to pick their brain and, and see them go back to uh, where they were at in that moment. I agree with Rob in the chat. Crush the like button. Um, official Nickel City Grunge. Awesome guest, guys. Great job. Yeah, we are getting some great guests for you. So hammer that like button at the Least Nation 401 to subscribe here on YouTube. More coming, rest assured, throughout this season, as we always do here on Leafs Morning Take. Hey, Rosie, ever wonder why no one's created a survivor pool in hockey? No. Well, it's funny I asked that question because thanks to the Nation Network and our new friends over at Wendy's, your dreams are about to come true or become a reality. We don't want anything to come true with uh, your dreams coming true, right, Rosie? (laughs) They already have. I'm here with you, buddy. No, I'm I'm referencing that old goal song for the Maple Leafs, but I appreciate that. I'm blushing right now. You make my dreams come true. The Wendy's oh. Daily Face-Off Survivor Pool is set to launch on Monday, October 23rd. Now, somebody who plays Daily Fantasy on a daily basis, I am fired up about this. So this is the Wendy's Daily Face-Off Survivor Pool launching Monday, October 23rd. What's that, you ask? Well, it's a season-long NHL fantasy game sponsored by Wendy's. Everything will run through dailyfaceoff.com, so you'll create a username and password, be able to play along just like that. It's a Monday to Saturday Survivor contest where users will be able to make their selection each day in advance accordingly. And this is the best part about it in my world. Prizes will only be eligible to those who those users who are resident in Canada, except the province of Quebec. You see on your screen right there, the survivor pool. And uh, prizing will vary on Wendy's uh, weekly menu items. Also, there will be a season-long prize of 5000 bucks up for grabs as well. Sounds enticing. I'm fired up for Monday, Rosie. I love that stuff, man. You, you jump in and you don't know who's playing against you, but it keeps you engaged, keeps you dialed into what's going on. And there's some, uh, some big prizes at the end too. So I'll be a part of it. No doubt. I like that stuff. Let's get to the uh, five game road trip. And there was actually something I wanted to tackle before that um, was your read on Tyler Bertuzzi, man. Like I feel like I'm watching Michael Bunting, Nazem Kadri again, five minor penalties in three games. And we talked about this going into the season channeling your emotions and to me it's the type of penalties that um you know Bertuzzi is taking early on the ticky tack ones uh, behind their net like just skate a couple more steps and you won't have to trip the guy what's your read on Bertuzzi so far like he's he's been okay nothing great in my world yeah I mean you could say that about a couple of the newcomers so far but it takes time to adjust takes time to adapt like we talked about it is a different market there's a lot more energy going on than these guys might be used to with the uh with the programs they're they're coming from solid players and i honestly man with bertuzzi 10 pims and three games and like you say they aren't exactly all the most hard-nosed, valuable penalty minutes that your guy could take. But nonetheless, I would much rather have to pull back on the reins than I would have to crack the whip. If he was out there invisible, not really getting engaged, nowhere near taking a penalty with the effort level, I'd be more concerned than I am right now. He's not going to average you know this many pims all year long he's not going to put the team at odds that often it's an adjustment it's a big market even jr was saying when you come into toronto you know 
that it's a different atmosphere. You know you're getting ready and fired up. Imagine playing on the team where every bloody day is like that. It's an adjustment. I think he's going to adjust to it. I'm not worried about the penalties at all. Hey, excuse me for getting PTSD after watching Nazem Kadri play on this team and Michael Bunting and others where it's like, why are you doing that? Especially the most important time of the year. And I th- I think muscle memory is a thing. If he's doing it now, why won't he do it in game three of the first round? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's a long ways away. He's nah, a smart dude. player. Let these guys find their groove. Let these guys get into it. Speaking of getting into it, I feel like I haven't even seen Max Domi. I like, knew I haven't- it. I knew it. Yeah. I haven't seen that name. Like I'm watching the games and I'm like, I can't picture it like <laughs> much of anything where like he's doing something. So slow start to Domi as well. I'm sure he's not thrilled about it. And they're going through the process of, of rectifying the situation, but a couple of guys coming in and regardless, they're two and one, they've had some success. They've had a little hiccup here. I'm sure everyone's ready to hit the reset button here and, and have a strong road trip. Well, that's the thing is like, to begin with, I had to temper expectations on Max Domi. This is not the guy who played for the London Knights. It's not the guy who was early on as a Montreal Canadian. Like he, he's a third line player. Right. And I think people are starting to realize that, but yeah, like I knew you were going to go there. He's one of those guys who's getting smashed early on with, you know, McCabe on the back end, Mitch Marner, like he, he's been inconsistent. I know they're trying to, trying to figure something out in the bottom six, it's the same old story. The bottom six can't score again. It is very, very early. And, there's plenty of time for a guy like Max Domi to bounce back, but I've always tempered my expectations, at least the last couple of years. I know I did a nice finish in Dallas last year, but like Max Domi's not the guy that people think he is. Like he's obviously not Ty, and that's no disrespect. Like he can provide offense, but he's more of like a, a guy who's going to be secondary type, like tertiary type look. Yeah, and he should be able to be extremely good at that role, right? And I think it's just a matter of wrapping your head around where you fit, what your job is. And like you say, throughout his NHL career, which is not all that long still, um, he's had some different looks and his roles kind of changed. I think he's still trying to figure out what's best suited, what role is best suited for for his style of play. And if he figures that out on this team, man, he he does not have to be the player he was in Montreal. They're not asking him to be that player. He can be a very, very effective and very solid third line player. And it's just a matter of understanding what that looks like, how you use your minutes and, and what's effective out there. And a player like him who he can, he can put the puck in the net. He can make plays. He can play tough. He can play with a, a chip on his shoulder and with an edge. So it's about, it's about finding that balance. And I know they haven't put it together. If this team puts together every single guy on their roster, they will run through the league. But that's every team's challenge is getting the most out of every player at the same time. Luckily, they're so deep and they have so much talent, especially up front, obviously. They can they can outperform teams offensively and, and cover a lot of mistakes. But if that's not happening, which it's not going to happen every single night, you need those different layers to help you out. And the formula for this team for the rest of the year going to the playoffs is trying to get everyone at the same time on the same night doing their job to the best of their ability and they will come together as a solid team. They just got to get there. Not everyone can find that formula. It's a, it's a season long struggle to find that everyone's trying to do it all 32 teams, but you know, good teams find a way. That's the character. That's, that's the leadership. If they figure it out, they will be deadly, but it, it you can't snap your fingers. It just happened. And it just expect it to happen. 
Pretty Luckily, uh, we've prepared everybody all off season long for October. We talked about it the first show of the season. This team stinks up to join in October. So like they lost to Chicago. I was like, whatever. I bet on the Hawks in that game. I won some money. So I, I know the deal. I know the deal with this team. You do seem to have a finger on it. Those trap games, as you love to call them. I call it a crap game. Crap game, trap game. Yeah, I mean, last year I, w- I was new covering this team and like you're talking about them losing to the Arizona Coyotes and I'm like, not on your life, man. Have you seen the way they're playing this week? And then they just start to themselves. So they're famous for it. They got to cut it out. I don't know where that comes from. Like, does does Keith need to come in after one of those losses and throw a garbage can through a wall? Because that's what- these guys don't care. They're all paid. They'll- <laughs> they're all paid. What? So what? They're, do you think they're that? Do you think they're that just materialistic and have that little of passion? You just you don't you don't earn an NHL contract and get your pockets paid by not having that that desire. It's in every single one of them. Yeah. They need to find it together. And you know, Jr. had a good point. Though maybe you're looking at the next guy, hoping he'll do it. And when you have a a locker room that, that that's that talented, I could see that being easy to do. Like, well. So-and-so will do it. So-and-so will do it. Everyone expects someone else to do it. And when everyone's doing it on the same night, you're going to have a night like you, you do against the Arizona Coyotes or the Chicago Blackhawks. you got to nip that in the bud, though. Someone's got to take the leadership reins, and, and we got to get everyone on the same page. But again, that's going to be the season-long struggle. Look, all I'll say, they're down in Sunrise right now. Hope they check out the elbow room. Um, I'll have some Crown Royal on us. And, and just take the load off. You know, chill out. Just be ready to play on Thursday against the Florida Panthers. It is a revenge game. I'm sure Revo's going to get involved. Like they're going to, I don't know if you caught the game last night, Seattle and Colorado, their first meeting since uh, hooking up in the playoffs last year. Fuck two minutes in Logan O'Connor addresses a situation from last year with Jordan Eberle, where he crunched Andrew Cogliano and fucking killed the guy. That's accountability. And that's why the Colorado Avalanche are Stanley cup champions. That's all I'm going to say. Ah, it's I, I love it when, uh, Oh, when it's those- great. Those things yeah. come, you know, through the summer and they last like people don't forget. And, you know, sometimes that lasts for years. You know, if you piss a guy off, especially when it's a personal vendetta, but when it's something that's happened against somebody else uh, and someone, you know, your teammate has to come take care of it for you. It's it's usually a one and done scenario, but it, it always makes me smile when that stuff lasts through the summer and the next season, those old uh, wars are picked up again and, and scores are evened up. It's makes me smile. You know what makes me smile? The Botano wrap-up. It's presented by Botano.ca. The game starts now. 19-plus. Please play responsibly. We hammered the Oilers yesterday. We hammered uh, Leon Dreisaitl. Dude, the guy just owns the Nashville Predators. It really is insane. I think it's like 24 goals in 23 career games, something like that, against the Preds. We hammered it yesterday at plus money. It hit. I'm looking at another anytime goal. I know producer Aaron is going to put that graphic on the board. Like any of us care about the Edmonton Oilers. Congrats to them. You beat the Nashville Predators, the worst team in the NHL. So there's your, uh, there's your moral victory, a 6-1 win. No Luke Shen, by the way. So that's why they lost. The human eraser. Three five-point nights against one particular Dude, insane. team. It's a lot. Like again with the Oilers, with their three first overall picks, then Connor McDavid, then Leon Dreisaitl on top of it. Like, are you kidding me? The picks they've had. Ah, uh, it's they tough, scare man, me. but my they lord, they, uh, they've they got some talent up front. Uh, potentially, well, the top two could rival our our offensive power in, uh, in the East with the Toronto Maple Leafs, but those two are a couple of the best in the game, no question about it, but it's kind of like that's all they have. I don't think uh, Drysettle and McDavid can hold Austin Matthews' groceries, man. That's a bold, bold statement. Maybe Leonidas is... Uh, 
is comparable, but fucking no one can touch McDavid, man. Nobody can touch him. Yeah, but Nobody. he ain't touching Austin Matthews for the Rock or Richard. Matthews is gonna breeze to that, but he's already there. See you I hope later. you're right. I hope you're right. He's got a he's got a healthy lead after three games, no doubt about it. Anyways, the Botano wrap-up, uh, I was getting to, I like an anytime goal tonight, Alex Ovechkin. There's only two games on the slate. I don't know what's going on with the NHL scheduling, but as somebody who, as religious as me when it comes to watching hockey, I have no clue what to do with my life. But nevertheless, Ovechkin, anytime goal, Washington against Ottawa. The Caps are on the road in this game. Ovechkin hasn't scored in the first two games. He's the best goal scorer of all time in my money. No disrespect to Wayne Gretzky, who've had on the show, or Austin Matthews or anybody else. But I think Ovi... Bulges twine tonight for the Washington Capitals. Hard to argue with that, man. Ovi sniping goes hand in hand. Producer Aaron, does Dry Settle lead the league in points? Congratulations. Congratulations, Leon Dry Settle. Shut up. Three Aaron. games into the season and you lead the league in points. Congrats, Aaron. Have fun up yeah. in Edmonton. Too much Oilers talk on this fucking show. Anyways, uh, great stuff today, Rosie. Tomorrow coming up. Many thanks to JR as well. We're going to tee up this uh, five-game road trip. It starts in sunrise. I want seven scraps tomorrow. I want accountability. I want to show the Florida Panthers we're a different team. And I don't say we're as in the Leafs. I'm talking on their behalf like we're a different team. Because I that's the one thing I can't stand with fan bases when they say we. Like you're on the team. Never understood that. But anyways. I do it all the time too. I'm not on the team anymore, but I mean, when when you're talking about the team, when you're cheering for the team, when you live and die with the team, you just say we, because we, as in we're the ones investing. You're not on the team. I never said I was. No, but I'm saying you can't say we, because you're not on the team. Like we would be like, you're on the team. You could do something about it. We can't do anything about it. I guess it doesn't really work like in uh, in single men sports when uh, like <laughs> yeah. if you're talking about like Djokovic and you're like, we need to do this today. We need to do that. Or like Tiger Woods, we need to play yeah. this way. It doesn't really work, but eh, I guess I'll work on it, Nick. You got a dog in the background. What's going on? Uh, Dr. Doolittle over here. Dogs are coming everywhere. I was a little hot with my tech saying, hey, I'm all done, buddy. Come on back. And then he oh. let his, uh, his dog walking business right in the goddamn scene of things. Let's keep going with the show. We can go two hours. <laughs> we could too. I'm liking the new format though. Going a little longer. We can go off script a little bit. I hope the uh, the fans at home are enjoying it as well. No golfing today. We're doing a two-hour show. But again, that's Jay Rose. So many thanks to uh, JR Jeremy Roenick for dropping by. Producer Aaron Bordados feeling much more chipper today after his Edmonton Oilers actually won a hockey game. So congratulations Man. to you. And we'll be back tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern time to tee up this five-game road trip for the Toronto Maple Leafs. For Jay Rose, I'm Nick Alberga. Thanks so much for listening and watching. Take care. Get those boys on the Thank road. Thank you for watching Leafs Morning Take. Hit the subscribe button to never miss a show. And for more, visit theleafsnation.com. Worried you'll need to babysit your robot vacuum? Think again. Meet Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum with AI-powered navigation to recognize and avoid over 100 objects. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards. And Digital Trends says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com. And discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799.